0: Volume One, Chapter One of Say and Seal by Susan and Anna Warner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One The street was broad, with sidewalks and wide grass grown borders, and a spacious track of wheels and horses' feet in the center. Great elms, which the early settlers planted, waved their pendent branches over the peaceful highway, and gave shelter and nest room to numerous orioles, killdeer, and robins putting off their yellow leaves in the autumn and bearing their winter weight of snow, in seeming quiet assurance that spring would make amends for all. So slept the early settlers in the churchyard. Along the street, at pleasant neighborly intervals, not near enough to be crowded nor far enough to be lonely, stood the houses, comfortable, spacious, compact, with no nonsense about them. The mong lay like a mere blue thread in the distance, its course often pointed out by the gaff of some little sloop that followed the bend of the river up towards Sukiog, The low rolling shore was spotted with towns and spires over all was spread the fairest blue sky and floating specks of white not many sounds were astir the robins whistled thief-like over the cherry trees the killdeer from some high twig sent forth his sweet clear note and now and then a pair of wheels rolled softly along the smooth road the rush of the wind filled up the pauses anybody who was down by the mong might have heard the soft roll of his blue waters anyone by the lighthouse might have heard the harsher dash of the salt waves I might go on and say that if anybody had been looking out of Mrs. Derrick's window, he or she might have seen what Mrs. Derrick really saw, for she was looking out of the window, or rather through the blind, at the critical moment that afternoon. It would be too much to say that she placed herself there on purpose. Let the reader suppose what he likes. At the time, then, that the village clock was striking four, when meditative cows were examining the length of their shadows and all the geese were setting forth for their afternoon swim, a stranger opened Mrs. Derrick's little gate and walked in. Stretching out one hand to the dog in token of good fellowship, a classical mind might have fancied him breaking the cake by whose help Quick Ear got past the lions, he went up the walk, neither fast nor slow, ascended the steps, and gave what Mrs. Derrick called considerable of a rap at the door. That done, he faced about and looked at the far-off blue mong. Not more intently did he eye and read that fair river, not more swiftly did his thoughts pass from the mong to things beyond human ken, than Mrs. Derrick eyed and read, His back, And suffered her ideas to roam into the far-off regions of speculation the light summer coat the straw hat were nothing uncommon but the silk umbrella was too good for the coat the gloves and boots altogether extravagant he ain't a bit like the pattaquasset folks faith she said in a whisper thrown over her shoulder to her daughter mother mrs derrick replied by an inarticulate sound of interrogation i wish you wouldn't stand just there do come away ma child said mrs derrick moving back about half an inch He's looking off into space. But he'll be in. Not till somebody goes to the door," said Mrs. Derrick, and there's not a living soul in the house but us two. Why didn't you say so before? Must I go, mother?" He don't seem in a hurry," said her mother, and I wasn't. Yes, you can go if you like, child, and if you don't like, I'll go. With a somewhat slower step than usual, with a slight hesitating touch of her hand to the smooth brown hair which lay over her temples, Miss Faith moved through the hall to the front door gently opened it and stood there in the midst of the doorway fronting the stranger by no means an uncomely picture for the frame for the face was good the figure trim and not only was the rich hair smooth but a little white ruffle gave a dainty setting to the throat and chin which rose above it both themselves rather on the dainty order i say fronting the stranger yet to speak truth the stranger was not fronting her for having made one more loud appeal to the knocker having taken off his hat the better to feel the soft river breeze he stood as before looking off into space But with one hand resting more decidedly upon the silk umbrella faith took a minute's view of decidedly pleasant outlines of shoulders and head or what she thought such glanced at the hand which grasped the umbrella handle and then lifting her own fingers to the knocker of the door caused it gently to rise and fall a somewhat long breath escaped the stranger as if the sound chimed in with his thoughts nothing more faith stood still and waited perhaps that last sound of the knocker had by degrees asserted its claim to reality perhaps impatience began to assert its claim, perhaps that long elm-tree shadow which was creeping softly on, even to his very feet, broke in upon the muser's vision. Certainly he turned, with a very quick motion towards the door, and a gesture of the hand which said that this time the knocker should speak out. The door, however, stood open, the knocker beyond his reach, and Miss Faith so nearly within it that he dropped his hand even quicker than he had raised it. "'I beg your pardon,' he said, with a grave inclination of the head. "'I believe I knocked.' "'Yes, sir.' I thought you had forgotten," said Faith, not with perfect demureness which she would like to have achieved. Will you please to come in?" And somewhat regardless of consequences, leaving the hall-door where it stood, Faith preceded her guest along the hall, and again performed for him the office of door-opener at the parlor, ushering him thus into the presence of her mother. Mrs. Derrick was seated in the rocking-chair at the furthest corner from the window, and perfectly engrossed with the last monthly magazine. But she came out of them all with wonderful ease and promptness, shook hands very cordially with the newcomer, seated him in her corner and chair before he could make much resistance, and would also have plunged him into the magazine, but there he was firm. "'If you would only make yourself comfortable while I see where your baggage is,' said the good lady. "'But I can tell you where it is, ma'am,' said he, looking up at her. "'It is at the station and will be here in half an hour.' "'Well, when did you have dinner?' said Mrs. Derrick, resolved upon doing something. "'Yesterday,' was his quiet reply. "'Today I have been in the cars.' "'Oh, my, my!' said Mrs. Derrick. "'Then of course we'll have tea at once. "'Faith!' "'I'm here, mother. "'I'll go and see to it right away.' But in some mysterious manner the stranger reached the doorway before either of the ladies. "'Mrs. Derrick, Miss Faith, I told you that I had had no dinner, and that was true. "'It is also true that I am in not the least hurry for tea. "'Please do not have it until your usual time.' And he walked back to his seat. But after the slightest possible pause of hesitancy, Faith had disappeared. Her mother followed her. "'Child,' she said, "'what on earth is his name?' "'Mother, how should I know? I didn't ask him.' "'But the thing is,' said Mrs. Derrick, "'I did know. The committee told me all about it. And of course he thinks I know, and I don't, no more than I do my great-grandmother's name, which I never did remember yet. "'Mother, shall I go and ask him? Or wait till after supper?' "'Oh, you shan't go,' said her mother. "'Wait till after supper and we'll send Cindy. He won't care about his name till he gets his tea, I'll warrant. But what made you so long getting the door open, child? Does it stick?' "'Why,' said Faith, bearing her arms and entering upon sundry, quick movements about the room, "'it was open, and he didn't know it.' "'Didn't know it?' said Mrs. Derrick. "'My, I hope he ain't short-sighted. Now, Faith, I'm not going to have you burn your face for all the school teachers in Connecticut. Keep away, child. I'll put on the kettle myself. Cindy must have found her beau again. It's as tiresome as tiresome can be.' "'It's just as well, Mother. I'd rather do it myself. Now you go in and find what his name is, and I'll have everything together directly. The oven's hot now.' "'I'll go in presently,' said Mrs. Derrick. "'But as to asking him what his name is, why, child, I'd just as soon ask him where he came from.' And in deep thought on the subject, Mrs. Derrick stepped briskly about the kitchen. "'Faith,' she said, "'where shall I ask him to sit?' "'Will you pour out tea, or shall I, mother?' "'What's that to do?' "'Why, I was thinking—but it don't matter where you put him. There's four sides to the table.' "'Don't talk of my putting him anywhere, child. I'm as afraid of him as can be.' and Mrs. Derrick went back to see how time went with her guest. It went fast or slow, I suppose, after all, somewhat according to the state of his appetite. One hour and ten minutes certainly had slipped away. If he was hungry he knew that another ten minutes was following in train, when at length the parlour door opened again and Faith stood there with a white apron on and cheeks a good deal heightened in colour since the date of their last appearance. Mother tea's ready. Cindy hasn't got back. And having made this gentle announcement, Faith disappeared again leaving it to her mother to show the way to the supper-room this was back of the parlor and communicated with the kitchen from which faith came in as they entered bearing a plate of white biscuits smoking hot in her hand the floor was painted with thick yellow paint smooth and shining plenty of windows let in plenty of light and the sweet evening air the table stood covered with a clean brownish tablecloth but what a supper covered that rosy slices of boiled ham snowy rounds of milk emptyings bread strawberries pot cheeses pickles fried potatoes and faith's white cakes with tea and coffee. Now, as Faith had laid the clean napkin for the stranger at the foot of the table opposite her mother, it cannot be thought presumption in him that he at once took his seat there, thus relieving Mrs. Derrick's mind of an immense responsibility. Yet something in his manner then made her pause and look at him, though she did not expect to see him bow his head and ask for a blessing on the meal before him. If that was presumption neither of his hearers felt it so. The little flush on the mother's cheek told rather of emotion, of some old memory now quickened into life. Her voice even trembled a little as she said, "'Will you have tea or coffee, sir?' And Faith offered her biscuit. "'Or there's bread if you like it better, sir.' "'The biscuits are best,' said her mother. "'Faith's biscuits are always good.' And he took a biscuit, while a very slight unbending of the lines of his face said that the excellence of Faith's handiwork was at least not always so apparent. "'Miss Faith, what shall I give you in return that is beyond your reach and comparatively within mine?' "'Possibly, possibly.' The slight grave opening of two rather dark eyes confessed that in her apprehension the store thus designated, from which he might give her, was very large indeed. But if that was so her lips came short of the truth, for she answered, "'I don't want anything, thank you.' "'Not even butter?' with his hand on the knife. Faith seemed inclined not to want butter, but finally submitted and held out her plate. Whereupon, having helped her and himself, the stranger diverged a little, with the rather startling question, "'What sort of a flora have you in this neighborhood?" there isn't any mother said faith with a doubtful appeal towards the tea-tray a pleasant look fell upon her while her look went away a look which said he would like to tell her all about the matter then and there but merely taking another of the white biscuits he went on to ask whether the roads were good and the views fine the roads are first-rate said mrs derrick i don't know much of views myself but faith thinks they're wonderful i don't suppose they are wonderful said faith but it is pretty up the mong and i am sure mother it's pretty down on the shore towards the sun setting "'And how is it towards the sun rising?' "'I never saw it. We never go down there, then,' Faith said, with a very frank smile. "'Faith always stays by me,' said Mrs. Derrick. "'If I can't go, she won't. And of course I never can at that time of day. It's quite a way down to the shore.' "'What shore?' "'It's the seashore. That is not the real seashore. It's only the sound,' said Faith. "'But there is the salt water, and it is as good as the sea.' "'How far off?' said the stranger, bestowing upon Faith a saucer of strawberries. Faith would have asked him to help himself, but taking notice mentally that he was extremely likely to do so, she contented herself with replying, "'It's about two miles.' "'And what are some of the good things there?' "'Perhaps you wouldn't think it much,' said Faith modestly. "'But the water is pretty, and I like to see the ships and vessels on it going up and down, and the points of the shore and the wet stones look such beautiful colours when the sun is near set.' "'I like stones, whether wet or dry,' said her questioner. "'Most people here don't like them,' said Faith but there are plenty down by the seashore. And plenty on the farm, too," she added. "'Ah, people like and dislike things for very different reasons, Miss Faith,' he answered. "'So perhaps your neighbours and I are not so far apart in our opinions as you may think. Only I believe that while there is a time to cast away stones, there is also a time to gather stones together, and therein perhaps they would not agree with me.' Faith looked up, and her lips parted, and if the thought had been spoken which parted them, it would probably have been a confession that she did not understand—' or a request for more light. But if her face did not say it for her, she did not say it for herself." If anybody could have seen Mrs. Derrick's face while these little sentences went back and forth he would have acknowledged it was worth the sight. Her awe and admiration of every word uttered by the stranger, the intense interest with which she waited for every word spoken by Faith, the slight look of anxiety changing to one of perfect satisfaction, was pretty to see. "'Faith,' she said when tea was over and her guest had walked to the front door to take another look at space, "'Faith, don't you think he liked his supper?' "'I should think he would, after having no dinner,' said Faith. "'But it was such a mercy, child, that you hadn't gone out to supper anywhere. I can't think what I should have done. There's Cindy this minute. Run and tell her to go right away and find out what his name is. Tell her I want to know. You can put it in good words.' "'Mother, I'd rather ask him myself.' But that did not suit Mrs. Derrick's ideas of propriety. And stepping out into the kitchen she dispatched Cindy on her errand. Cindy presently came back from the front door and went into the dining room but not finding Mrs. Derrick, she handed a card to Faith. "'It's easy done,' said Cindy. "'I just asked him if he'd any objections towards tellin' his name, and he kinder opened his eyes at me and said no. Then I said, says I, Miss Derrick don't know, and she'd liked her. Miss Derrick, says he, and he took out his pencil and writ that. But I'd like to know what he cleans his pencil with,' said Cindy, in conclusion, for I'm free to confess I never see brass shine so in my born days." Faith took the card and read. John Endicott Linden she looked a little curiously at the penciling, at the formation of the capitals and of the small letters, then laid it down and gave her attention to the dishes of the supper-table. Volume 1 Chapter 1